A very good day to you. We are back once again, locked indoors on the UK Pick 6 podcast, but that doesn't stop us talking about American football and getting pretty belligerent with each other at certain points, but we'll save that for the next podcast coming up in a few days. Um, delighted to say uh, myself, Ollie Wilson, Dave Bluck and Jazz Gillen back once again with the idea of going through our favourite games that we've seen in the NFL. Is that the kind of consensus we came to? Because we initially just said favourite yeah. games, but it's all ones that we've seen that we've said, isn't it? Yeah, you've got to you... really have a favourite game if you haven't seen it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen it live, digested it properly, then it feels a bit Experienced cheap. Experienced it. Yeah. yeah. Disappointed you didn't get a, we'll do it live in there. <laughs> we'll do it live. There we go. Um, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this actually in terms of talking about favourite games. It was a it was one to think about, and I think there were a lot left on the table that could have easily time, gone in. Yeah, yeah. Um, very grateful to people. Uh, a few of the NFL colleagues uh, from around the UK have sent in twenty seconds of audio. Twenty seconds being the amount of time it takes to wash your hands, or you should be washing your hands for during the coronavirus outbreak, to explain their favourite game in the NFL for them and why they chose it. So we'll be throwing those in uh, throughout the podcast as well. Was there anything that you think that we missed out on or anything that should have probably been in or you regret not putting in before we talk about the games that we have put in? I we, regret we, we had nothing. We horrible mentions, didn't we, anyway? So the, the other games we considered have been mentioned. So I, uh, I think we covered most of them. Living a life without regrets on what you've gone with then, Jazz. Just got to embrace it. It's done now. Can't change it. Okay. Well, I hope uh, I hope you all enjoy the pod and uh, enjoy the games we've chosen. Over the middle, picked off. Season fired, intercepted. Blitz coming. Pass is picked off. He's going to go looking again, and it's picked off by Stephon Gilmore, down on the right sideline. Into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Cam Newton's in, he's released. Oh yeah, Cam got released. Is, does uh, anyone, anyone's going to, no one's going to pick him up though, surely. Won't Cam be... Well, who's going to be left? What, where could he go? Could he go? He could go to the Patriots. He could go and back up. Like, have the Broncos got a backup now? He could go and back up on the Broncos. He could go to the Texans, and then Deshaun Watson could be traded to the Patriots. Yeah, that's that that's seems like a really pony shit. He's he's. Well, really... Have you seen that he liked a tweet saying that you should get out of there, bro? And go to play for the Patriots. He liked it. <clears throat> Did you also see that other tweet that he put out saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how you can split up iconic duos or something like that. He was basically ranting a little bit. Sounds like Watson wants out. Where else could he where else could Cam really go though? So that's only two teams. And neither of them are like clear fits. Washington, go back to Rivera. Yeah. That means that they have Kyle Allen, Cam Newton basically the would, entire Panthers quarterback room again but would but because they've got Kyle Allen like they've kind of made a move there haven't they so it's unlikely they're going to bring Cam in as well and also if um, they bring Cam Newton in now it would make it look like they're definitely not going for Tua or Joe Burrow if he wasn't picked by the Bengals 
which they obviously yep. they don't want to do. They want to try and create this illusion. They might still pick one of the quarterbacks, so people would try and trade up to get whoever they want. Well, yeah, yeah. I would have thought they still might anyway, to be honest. And also, if you the trouble any franchise is going to have is if they sign Cam, Cam's going to expect like you know he still obviously feels he can be a starter and he wants yeah. big yeah. money. So you're bringing that problem. You're not having a guy that's going to be willing to sit there as a backup whatever franchise yep. you bring him into so it's got to be a place that well, he's, he's going to be need for a starting QB and isn't in those top draft picks <coughs> able to get a QB he's just going to be trying to uh, take that starting job as well as hard as he can so yeah. I think it's going to be quite a hard thing to coach isn't it and if you I don't know if you especially if you were a a first team head a first year head coach or a second year head coach would you want that Level on of, your radar yeah. do you know what I mean like it's a it's a lot of baggage and, and, and if you're Ron it's Rivera baggage, yeah. if you're Ron Rivera in Washington do you want to deal with a guy that you probably know already isn't the guy to win you NFL games because for the last year and a half he hasn't been the guy that's been winning you NFL games in Carolina I mean yeah, yeah. just seems I think he's going to be I don't quite know stuck. I, I could I could imagine him not doing anything not signing with a team and waiting for an injury and then we don't actually hear about him again uh, apart from rumors until like week five or something of the regular season yeah because i just can't imagine that he's his value is going to like i don't know how much he's going to get paid if he did sign with one of these you know two to four teams that are potential landing spots i don't think he's gonna be interested in that kind of money could go to the so charges. he's going to have to wait. Yeah. So, although, haven't they got? Didn't they? Haven't they signed someone? They've got Tyrod Taylor, but have they? Have they got a backup for him? Are they going to so. just go into the season with Tyrod Taylor? They're, they're, they're going to. I think they're going. They're going to try and get. I think they're going to. They're going to try and pick up one of the kind of the big five, big four. Yeah. Yeah, they might be one of the teams that trades up. And poor Tyrod Taylor's going to be in the same situation he was in <coughs> Cleveland, which is he'll there'll be a good young yeah. quarterback underneath him, and he'll have to play five games of getting beaten up, and then the new kid will come in. Well, they probably I'd won't say get beaten up. Jacksonville, but their defense is pretty crap these days. Haven't got rid of quite a lot of decent players, so they're in yeah. Rebuild, they've got so too many. Someone like Cam, then. But the Rams. Well, that doesn't. The Rams. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're still in on Jared Goff, aren't they? Well, yeah, you probably outplay Jared Goff though. But you never know if. Uh, well, that's if, the problem, isn't it? You don't know with Goff because there there might be a chance that they adapt the system again and it works for that way that Goff's able to be successful, i.e., being controlled basically. And also, if you're a <laughs> if you're a, if you're a head coach like Sean McVay, like, do you want to take? There's probably something quite nice as a head coach of having that element of control. And if you bring yeah. someone like Cam in, suddenly that takes that away quite a lot. I don't know. I, it's difficult. But I, well, he's I, also I he's he's a very he's a confidence based player, isn't he? Goff, when he's when he's feeling really confident and loose, he can be really really good, really accurate. He's got a great arm, and then when he's not confident, he looks bad. Well, he looks bottom point, half. Though, on that one, I so if you put so, sorry, Jazz, if you put if you put Cam behind him. Surely that's going to affect his confidence. So I can't imagine that they'd want to do that. I think part of the reason why he was so poor last year was more because he had such a good year the year before, so people took him seriously. 
And when you take a player seriously, you look for all the faults, the trends, what he likes to do, and then you start to find ways of mitigating what he likes to do. I don't yeah. think Goff has evolved to get past that. That's why everyone says you can have a good four, five, six games in NFL, even a season. It's the year after when people know what you're good at and what you can do. Can you adjust? Can you evolve? And can you still beat people in a different way? So then they have to plan differently so you can go back to doing what you were doing before. But is Goff, the, yeah. is Goff the one that needs to evolve in that situation? Is it actually McVeigh evolving? And if McVeigh as a head coach yeah, can evolve, question. then yeah, Goff, yeah, can, totally. Goff can actually operate because he gets kind of told what to do anyway. I still think that we're going to see some some really good stuff from Goff. I think you guys are a little bit more down on him than I am. I think that I think he could still be a really good above average starter in the NFL. I just think one good season doesn't make a career. I completely agree. I, I see all the warning signs and stuff. Um, it's a kind of like unknown thing, isn't it? But if I was going to place a bet, I wouldn't bet against him. No, true. I, That's true. I wouldn't bet against him, but I wouldn't put it down to him either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. It's a, it's a hold situation, isn't it? I'd rather not be betting at all on Jarakov's <laughs> career, to be honest. So, like, I think we can all agree on that. Well, it's like any. Su- this wine if, is delicious, by the way. If he has any success, Jarakov's success will come out of not Jarakov, but something else happening that makes him successful. Like that's what will make him a success, rather than Jarakov suddenly learning how to be an elite Right, let's start with these games because I'm interested yeah. to see. Give me a game. Uh, I want to start with Jazzy. Yeah, because I I reckon I can pick at least I can pick one of Jazzy's because I can't remember which ones you said on the WhatsApp group or if you said you were going if you said which ones you were saying or not. But I reckon I can pick one of them, but I don't know. So we we'll do one each and then one each again, kind of thing. So, okay. mm-hmm. Jazz, what's your first one? What did you think it's going to be? Well, I don't know if it's your. I don't know if it's your first or your second, but I'm thinking Steelers against Arizona Cardinals, the Super Bowl, with the I probably did the not greatest. Pick that one. You didn't. No. Because because that's got everything. That's got James Harrison with probably the greatest interception return in a Super Bowl. It's got the tension going down to the wire, and it's got San Antonio Holmes in the back of the end zone with probably the greatest Super Bowl winning catch of all time. Yeah, and I yeah. totally agree that it's probably one of the best games of all time. However. <laughs> I did want to pick one that was really, really obvious. I try to stay away from Super Bowls as much as I could. So I went for games that are more unsung. And one of them, you guys are going to hate. That's fine. I really enjoyed it. So I'll throw that I, one up first. What I'll say is it's it's hard. It depends what metrics you're using for this because I kind of saw it as like favorite games. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Like my Falcons pick I found really hard because one of my favorite games was a week three game in 2016 against the Saints. But that's not very, like, interesting in the, like, story of football. But that's fine. That's your favourite um, game. Yeah, that's... And then... Yeah. Yeah, that's and good. Then that's I, so, yeah. So I'm kind of with you, Jazz. It doesn't need to be necessary. I, don't, I didn't see it as, like, the best. Like, necessarily the best game. It's, like, favourite as well. Like, the ones you enjoyed yeah. the most, that you got the most out of, that made you think, like... And it meant a oh, lot. I love football, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why so that's why one. it could oh. easily have been teams that we didn't support either. Like one of the ones that was up there on my list 
didn't involve the Philadelphia Eagles at all and actually involved one of their arch rivals playing. So like I was very close to picking a, a couple of them actually that that were, had no Broncos Cowboys was it? No, no. <laughs> what okay. with a Tebow Wait, Broncos no, no, the uh, Peyton Manning and Tony Romo. Oh, no, 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 no. 50 game or whatever. No, because that was okay. still like Tony Romo doing things. No, it was the um, it was that uh, <laughs> wild card playoff game, uh, Giants against 49ers back in the day when like Shockey was at the Giants, and it was just like oh, an unbelievable like ding dong battle at Candlestick Park. There was something about it, not even from like a, a the game sense, but just the visual of two really iconic teams. The blue helmets against the gold helmets in the kind of afternoon sun in California in playoff football. It was a great game, great to watch. And was one of those games, if you watched it for the first time, you'd get really sucked into watching the NFL. If that was the first game that you ever saw, you'd be like, damn, this is a freaking great sport, Like if you didn't know it already. But again, that didn't, didn't make yeah. the list in the end. Sorry, go on, Jazz. You were saying... So my first pick was a game that probably means nothing to most people. Um, this is at the start of my uh, start, yeah, the start of this, my my love in the Steelers and really supporting them and following them through the whole kind of year and and so on and so forth. Um, I picked the Week Fifteen game in two thousand eight between the Ravens and the Steelers, with the score being thirteen nine to the Steelers. A Ooh. game that was completely defensive, unbelievably tense to watch it live, and had a questionable touchdown at the end to San Antonio Holmes. Did he break the plane? Did he not? They gave the touchdown. I think it was a touchdown. I'm sure Ravens fans across the uh, the entire world at the time of watching it were pretty annoyed that it was given as a touchdown. But it was a game where if you got a first down, you're doing well. If you managed to get inside the red zone, you're doing extremely well because there was just so few and far opportunities to try and do any scoring it was such a defensive masterclass it was just amazing um, was that down to the weather was the weather really bad nope. or was it just two great defenses just this is when button heads the Steelers and Ravens were just pure defense well not pure defensive teams because Big Ben was also there and very good but it was a case of those two defenses were fantastic so you had Ray Lewis in his prime Ed Reed in his prime who made mm-hmm. a massive difference in that game you had Troy on the other side you had James Harrison when he was defensive MVP so you had a lot of really good players playing just very hard and really physical. And it was just a great game to watch from a supportive point of view. To a neutral, terrible game. Probably the worst <laughs> game you could watch. Not not the one that you'd want to introduce the no. sport to someone. It depends okay, if they cool. want to see people get hit really hard. Because <clears throat> if you want to see that, you want to see sacks, you want to see an interception, you want to see a couple of fumbles. You want to see Ed Reed mm-hmm. coming from the entire, from the very backs, maybe sort of 15 yards back and sack Ben Big Ben by timing his run perfectly through the offensive line where there's just the Red Sea parted for him. If you want to see those sort of things, you'd love the game. If you don't want to see that, you want to see a high-scoring touchdown fest, not the game for you. It's a bit like the, That's the cool. Pats-Rams I can appreciate Super Bowl. That. It wasn't a game that it's great for, as an advert to the neutral, but it's good if you know what you're looking for and you like defensive football. Well, it sounds like it at least had the controversy at the end with the touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, so that seems like it maybe gives something to more regular fans as well. Yeah, although that touchdown came in the last 30 seconds of the game. A minute and a half. That's dramatic. Let's have, Let's have a look. It came at the... Okay. Where did it come? Yeah, 43 seconds left in the game. That touchdown came. Cool. Before then, they were just trading field goals. 
But the thing so, is, if they hadn't have got that touchdown, they would have kicked the field goal, then it would have gone to overtime, and then it would have been carrying on the uh, the enjoyment. So this made you a big fan of Batching. like uh, the kicking game, is what you're saying, Jazz. You know, you came out. Jeff Reed was suddenly the guy you wanted a jersey of of the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Reed was a man that I'm sure had a Hawaiian shirt on every time he didn't have his pads on. I'm convinced about it. Um, <laughs> but no, I I just I've realised how much I love defensive football and watching people just breaking an offensive part, sacking QBs. It's just it's the whole thing. It's just it's fun to watch. As much as watching yeah. offensive teams blow teams out is fun, it's really fun to watch teams just break the other team's spirit and will. So one of the if, games I was looking at, which I didn't put in, was going to be the the Broncos-Panthers Super Bowl. For the same reason, I just loved watching Cam getting sacked because I just love watching defences take a game over. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like your pick. I think it's really... Uh, I think it's really fun. I kind of like it's the, it's weird with me. I if I'm drinking <laughs> and with friends, I want to see a complete touchdown fest. Not yeah. mutually. I want to see as many points as I can. Yeah. But if I'm watching a game on my own um, and I'm not drinking, then you know uh, a slower paced, more defensive battle that is that is great to watch because yeah. it, it feels like you've got more time to absorb it you're yeah. not really kind of you're not chatting you're just kind of locked in and if you like defense and you know i played on defense as well it's uh yeah it's great it builds it's up really so much great. more tension when you have it a case of just getting the first down is difficult yeah it makes well, every you get, single position mean so much more it does you you get a chance to you know american football i think one of the criticisms that people have when they come new into the sport is that it's quite hard to follow. There's so many players, and it is, it looks very chaotic visually, and it's hard to focus in on different position groups. Yeah. And and when you have a more defensive game that isn't so high scoring, you can start focusing in on certain players, certain like linebackers, safeties, focusing in on the line, how they're actually getting the pressure. It it allows you to understand the the game a little bit better because you've got more time to absorb it because there isn't a first down every every you know few minutes there isn't a touchdown every yeah. quarter it's um yeah you see the chess nice match pick jazz more. i like it so i could have yeah, also like picked it. from that season you're very right Oli. i could have picked the super bowl i could have also picked the afc championship game when the I steelers was, played the ravens for the third I time thinking that was going to be the one if you're going to pick a steelers ravens game because that, that one. was an unbelievable game to watch that was phenomenal that was almost snowy arctic tundra almost that they were playing on that evening and it was the late it's game chilling. as well of the two championship games and they, yeah. they just beat the living hell out of each other it's one of the most physical yeah. football games i remember watching it was fantastic and who else mm. had two special highlight plays in that game tell me jazz Troy Polamalu, my favourite player. Of course, that's the Polamalu. game where he returns the, the the interception for a touchdown, reversing the field from 30 yards out. And I'm also sure that's the first time he jumps over the offensive line and times the snap count perfectly to sack Flacco as he's trying to QB sneak. So from my awesome. point of view, that's probably one of my favourite games also. But I thought this is a much less well-known game and still meant as much in the season. And as a fan, staying up and watching that was just amazing. You went with the the hipsters, hipsters pick, if you will, out of the Steelers Ravens game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smart. It's yeah. cool looking through the both defenses, like the number of 
awesome players or players that at least had awesome spells during that kind of era in the NFL, like James Farrier, Larry Foote, James Harrison, Ike Taylor, uh, Smith, Troy Polamalu, obviously, Townsend, Lamar Clark. Woodley, yep. Then Terrell Suggs, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. I mean, already there. Then you've got Gutter as well, wow. Samari Roll. Yeah, yeah, Unata, yeah, yeah. It's like an all-stars game, isn't it? Yeah. A little I, bit. Two, two of the best defensive sides going head-to-head in the division and then obviously in the AFC Championship game as well. Yeah. It's a good shout, yeah. Jazz. Very cool. I did, Very cool, Jazz. I did think you would go for a Steelers-Ravens game as well. I was trying to work out how you get it in, and that the AFC game that year was one that might be the one that came up for me but I did, that did was going to be think... my first choice but I thought actually that San Antonio Holmes touchdown I remember watching that live and just getting off my bed because I watched it in my room and just jumping up and down and then realising oh shit they're not going to give it and then I thought oh they gave it and I jumped up and down again so to me that probably meant the most I'd really like it yeah and it. it takes a lot to get you moving Jazz as well <laughs> it so. really does I'd really yeah, like really it does. if um if you were like, yeah, it's not about Super Bowls, you know, I've not picked Super Bowl. However, my second pick is the victory over the Seahawks in Super Bowl <laughs> 40 <laughs> with Jerome Bettis having his last game in Detroit, blah, blah. So we've been told that we need to take at least 20 seconds to wash our hands every time we wash them in the coronavirus fight back. So in the spirit of that, we reached out to a number of NFL journalists in the UK from various outlets around the place and uh, asked if they could give us their favourite NFL game, but only in 20 seconds explaining why it's their favourite NFL game. Pretty tough task, really, when you think about it. And uh, yeah, we'll start the first of these NFL hand-washing hits, if you will, with uh, Nat Coombs and Mike Carlson. I think my favorite NFL game was probably the triumph of brains over brawn. The Patriots over the Ravens in the playoffs. The Julian Edelman touchdown toss to Amendola on the option. And the ineligible, eligible receiver plays two times before Tom Brady hit Julian Edelman for the winning touchdown. And John Harbaugh went bananas. I'm heading all the way back to 1986, Quantum Leap style, for the Jets thriller against Miami, 51-45. The first game I can remember, and what a thriller it was. It had everything, Marino versus O'Brien, the Marx Brothers versus Wesley Walker. What a matchup. If you haven't already, go find it on YouTube. It is worth it. So, like I said before, I found it really hard. I was going, I was looking at week three of 2016 uh, when the Falcons beat the New Orleans Saints because that was the first time that I realised that they had something really special on offence. They'd they'd won the first two weeks, but this really, this was in, um, this is in New Orleans as well, and they won 45-32. And they scored over 40 points five times that year. And they just absolutely just lit them up. And Tevin Coleman got three touchdowns. Um, Devontae Freeman got 152 yards on the ground and then 55 through the air. So that's when he was outstanding. Um, both teams scored in every quarter, which you don't see very often. Um, it's basically just, it's just a slugfest. And then Dion Jones got a pick six. 
uh, to ice the game. Um, so yeah, I love that one. And then the other one that I was thinking of, um, kind of, I've like split in, if I can do a 1A and 1B for the Falcons games, and then obviously I've got another game to talk about <laughs> properly. All right. Um, the one, the 1B was the, um, uh, the Falcons beating the Packers in the NFC championship game in the same year. Um, cause Matt Ryan had one of his best games ever, um, and I think probably one of the better games that any quarterbacks had in, in the playoffs. He had five touchdowns, 392 yards. And if you watched it live, he didn't really do anything wrong. It was I don't know what his passer rating was for the game. I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Um, but it was basically just a perfect game. And I've always been, you know, since then and, you know, previously, I was just a, such a big fan of Matt Ryan that that, is just, that was just such a showcase and then they went to the Super Bowl. And it was really easy. That's the only thing is like both these games, the drama's not quite there because it wasn't like a kind of, like the Falcons dominated in both those games really. And it was like a fairly comfortable win in the end. I mean, they're 24-0 at half time against the Packers. And they got so much pressure on Rodgers and all the players just chipped in. Taylor Gabriel, Julio Jones had a monster he got a 73-yard touchdown in that game. <laughs> so he is a beast, that man. And you, if you saw the play, you'd remember, actually, because he, he, he stiff-arms two defenders on the way and then, um, and then uh, the runs in for, for the score. It's just amazing. Is that the screenplay? Huh? Is that the screenplay where he takes, takes the whole distance? Yes, yeah, he comes yeah. across the field. And then um, uh, the first defender kind of like is grabbing onto him and he's just like sits him down. And the second guy's a full on stiff arm. Like, like if you were going to teach one, that's what you just, he just, poof, just like right in his face and then, uh, and then <laughs> runs in. And, and that one as well, I got, uh, I was talking about the effects that alcohol has on my decision making for games. I got really drunk for that. I watched that in Lampeter when I was uh, still living there in the depths of West Wales. And I got the pub to put it on the TV and I just got super drunk and nobody else in there knew about American football and a few people were like asking me questions and stuff and, uh, you know, it was great. I was just jumping up and down. I just I just enjoyed it so much. And then at that point, we were going to the Super Bowl, so it was perfect. And then, you know, and then, somebody else and then history happened after that. <laughs> and, <laughs> so, then, and then coronavirus happened. <laughs> The coronavirus <laughs> happened, the season was suspended, and nobody ever talks about that evening ever again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You got it, you got it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. what happened. Um, in terms yeah. of the uh, the NFC Championship game, I have to say, that is one game that I, I don't really remember much of, Green Bay against Atlanta. Like, I, for some reason... That's because we, because we dominated it, just absolutely killed them. But it, yeah, it's the thing is, lots of games that are really one-sided like that don't tend to stick in the memory quite as much because you no. don't get that sort of drama. No, they don't. But like I said, it's kind of this was this is for me. This is my favourite games. Oh yeah, totally. Um, and uh, that's that's why I enjoyed it because there was so much going into it, and they just they just took care of business. Mm. They just absolutely handled them. Um, and I think a lot of you know if I go. I've I've gone back and I've watched, you know, I was thinking about picking like, you know, uh Ollie, you're such a huge fan of Michael Vick. And I've gone back and I've you know, I've watched a lot of highlights of some of his great games. And, you know, including 
Was that the NFC Championship in was that 2003? The game you sent me oh, a while Packers, ago. Yeah, that was uh, that was against the Packers as well. Wasn't the NFC Championship um, game? And they were in the playoffs. Yeah, in the divisional game then I think. And they they went. Um, they were the underdogs going into it, and they just kind of handled it. And Vic was amazing. But I I just feel like I can't do it. I couldn't pick a game that I didn't see live. Yeah, that's, like that's my feels, feeling. Yeah, it feels like a fake. You know, I, yeah. I can't like. Um, so I think there's better games that the Falcons have had, I'm sure. But since I've been watching those, those were the two that that stuck in my my mind. And I did when I was looking at the Saints Falcons rivalry, I saw that they um, overall uh, the total games that they've played against each other, fifty three to forty nine to the Falcons. So it's just like it's a, always a great rivalry on mm. on paper um, when you're going in, but just like statistically as well, it's just they every year no matter how those teams are doing and who ends up winning the division and doing well in the playoffs, those two teams have killer games. They've, you've got to watch Falcon Saints because it's always a banger. Especially yeah. in recent times with Breeze and Ryan. Yeah, yeah. it's wicked. And, and they're both used to playing in domes. They both play in domes. So there's no kind of additional advantage in that. It's just two generally pretty offensively minded franchises going... You know, slug against slug, like just smashing the hell out yeah. of each yeah, other. Yeah, and their offense. fans really, really don't like each other, apparently. So it's, uh, it's just, yeah, it's a really good rivalry. Another NFL hand wash hit here. This one comes from NFL writer for the Times, Charles Walford. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Vikings in the NFC Championship game uh, 2018 uh, after the sort of scraping through against Atlanta, if you like, and the, and the slow start, the way the Eagles just turned it round and gave us three quarters of, well, of fantasy football. And, um, and it, it was at that point when you suddenly thought, hang on, we're not just going to the Super Bowl, but if we play like this, we could uh, actually win the thing. What you got for a Zolly? Uh, I, I did think about being really different. I did think about being like, well, actually, my, my favorite game was this and that. And I didn't want to pick it, but it is the first one is quite clearly going to be Super Bowl 52. Like, No shock not, there. Not just because it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Not just because it's the Eagles. But it was an incredible oh, game yeah. because it completely destroyed the narrative that almost everybody had been building up in that game of can you stop that Eagles defense? They're going to get so much pressure on Brady. It's not going to be a slugfest. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be a real tight yeah. one. Are the Eagles going to be able to even do it? And it was it was just surreal watching it. After, you know, when, when Carson Wentz went down against the Rams... You guys know. I mean, when, when the Eagles traded for Ajayi, Ajayi that year, I was like, they're all in. I'm so in on this. I'm all in. I really think we can make a run at it. And I, I was quite vocal of like, 
this is going to be a good year. And then as soon as Wentz went down, I was as miserable as anybody. Like, this is, all right, it's done. Yeah. Wentz was the it's key. stolen from Always you, was yeah. The key. It's over. Foles was so bad in those last two regular season games as well. It wasn't great against Atlanta in the first round in the playoffs. Like, no, we nearly, d- we nearly Julio did. Julio Jones you. makes one catch, and nearly that's, did you? Yeah, yeah. The ball goes through Julio Jones's hands, and you know, so you're still thinking, well, the defense has been good, but like shaky, it's shaky. And one of the ones that was close to something I was going to pick was uh, the NFC Championship game that year, and one of the reasons why I didn't pick it is because I didn't watch it. I was busy working that evening. And by the time I got done with the work that I was doing um, in New England, I got back to the press room and in, it was midway through the third quarter and the game was over. And it was like, well, sit yeah. down and relax. <laughs> like the, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. And yeah. And so after that, it was just this, the storied season coming to this ultimate climax and then reaching a pinnacle in just this most surreal way. You know, a kind of a, a slowish start to the game with a couple of field goals. And then it was like the Eagles just did what they'd done all year. LeGarrette Blunt punching it from short yardage and Nick Foles slinging it whenever possible. Well, didn't didn't LeGarry, I, I sorry watched, to interrupt, didn't LeGarry Blunt get, he got a, a longer touchdown as well, didn't he? He got like a 25-yarder, which was that. like, yeah. he bounced off someone and then he had a, rolls in. It was awesome. He had a 21-yard tu- He had a 21-yard touchdown, yeah. but he also had uh, a big long run as well. Yes, the, yeah, the yeah. He had a great game. Too, yeah. That's put him up in. And, and uh, I mean, there there are so many likable players in that team as well. And again, obviously, from a like a fan point of view, it's easier to like them. But but Nick Foles, you always had a soft spot for just because he was the guy that had, had a decent year and never really did much. And then obviously his career was seemingly over and came back. That's a great story. You know, you've got kind of unheard of people before that year, like Corey Clement coming up with huge Wild. and still one of the most dubious uh, pass receptions in a Super Bowl, that Corey Clement one, because I still think that ball's moving, but I'm so fine that they <laughs> said after review that was that, that out was the okay. back of the end zone? Is you that know, the one for the touchdown? Triple yeah, coverage. that was the one where he was, yeah, triple yeah. coverage, but Nick Foles just feeling it at that point and slinging it deep. Um, yeah, LeGarrette Blunt, you know, the kind of the journeyman. Even like... Uh, Troy Smith, a yeah. wide receiver. And as soon as I, I, I was watching some highlights from that Eagles season the other day, and I was like, God, even the Eagles miss him? Only had him for a year, but actually Aguilar Smith, Jeffrey Ertz made a lot of sense because Smith was really rapid going into the deep end as well. Like, that's what we missed with Deshaun Jackson. It was just a perfect coming together. And after what made it even sweeter was after watching the previous year, and I don't mean to bring it up, Dave, but like what happened with the Falcons the previous year when we were all in on the Falcons as a group and yeah. pretty much most NFL fans were. And it was like that was tough for a lot of people just in general of oh here's another Brady Belichick yeah. Super Bowl, like impressive but flipping hell. And for it to be to fall apart in that manner in a ridiculous shootout and to be able to watch it with you guys as well was just one of my favorite NFL experiences. Like, obviously, it'd been amazing to be at the Super Bowl or anything like that. But watching it with a load of mates and watching your team after supporting them since 2001 get to that Super Bowl and win it in that manner, it's gonna be. I mean, it's and for the first ever one, it's really gonna be tough to beat of any sporting event that I ever get. To yeah, watch. It's, it's wild that you've been to. How many Super Bowls have you been to live now? Three or four? 
Yeah. Three. So you've been to three. to three. You've been to three live. You covered it professionally, and a, a sports bar in Taunton with a rugged bunch of idiots <laughs> is uh, with lots of wings. Is superior with lots of yeah, admittedly with lots yeah. of wings and alcohol. But yeah, just what what you said there the, that completely encapsulates. I mean, I said on our message group, um, if I'm if I'm honest, the the Eagles winning the Super Bowl was my favorite game ever. I, it's the most I've enjoyed uh, the NFL, and it did feel like that that was a, it. Just made the last year a little bit better because I felt like I couldn't take it if the Patriots <laughs> won again. And that'd be enough it for just, you, Dave. Oh, I would have, yeah, it would have finished me up. I might not have, like, I might have to turn my cards in for the game pass and just shut up shop. But it was, uh, it was just it so was, special. Just you, you couldn't was, have written it better. Sometimes you're just in awe of that life can be more interesting and more vibrant than if somebody wrote it in a movie. And this is just one of those things where it was better than any fiction that you could write. Agreed. Just, it's so just tense perfect. as well. I, mean, I that's loved a game it. Where there was so much tension oh, built up. It was Even wild. I thought Brady was going to do it. Yeah. I thought he was going to do it at the end. Yeah. I thought he was going to do it. Yeah, for it to for it to be uh, like obviously, like you said, Jazz, and I think we all on this podcast agreed. Like defensive games are great fun, awesome to watch, but seeing a sl- shootout like that, which especially when it was an unexpected yeah. one, and 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 still kind of go down to the wire. Like I remember celebrating the 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 Brady sack fumble, and then Jazz, you were like, um, "They're still going to get the ball back if you don't get a yep. touchdown." And it was like, "Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Damn it! Okay, God, oh god, it's still not over. It's still not over. It was it was torture." And I've I'm always a pessimistic sports fan anyway. You know, my my football teams that I've supported, I've always been pessimistic. You know, after seeing the Eagles lose that Super Bowl against the Patriots many moons ago. And generally quite pessimistic about Philly Eagles anyway. And they were, as I said, there were two moments that I really was like, oh, God, we're going to do it. We, the week we traded for Ajayi and when we beat the Vikings. And I remember saying straight after the Vikings win, I think I said to you guys, I definitely said it on various outlets whenever I was asked, um, when I was working with TalkSport. I was like, Philadelphia are going to beat them. They will beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl because it was just too good. But I still... Like you, you believe it, but you don't believe it. You don't yeah. believe it until it's over, and the, the strain and stress of going through that was just, yeah. I've never been pulled all over the place by yeah. watching a sporting event in my entire life. It was like amazing, that. It was absolutely amazing. Great, and the relief, the relief to come out on the other side. So yeah, that I know it's cliche, but yeah, that. I wish I could one, just. I wish I could just do that all over again that night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was that was so a good fast. It was a great. That was a great oh, day. We had the so whole day good. down there, few watching the rugby, having some beers oh. at the Airbnb. That was fantastic. Yeah, Look, it was. Loved it. It was like the perfect twenty-four hours of yeah. sport. Absolutely almost. loved it. And that, England wait, did England, did England, England beat won. France that day? Yeah. And now yeah, that yeah. now that yeah, major gatherings are, are over, um, that seems even more special. <laughs> <laughs> Another NFL hand wash hit, this one being provided by NFL commentator and writer Mike White.
Now, I could have gone deep into the archives for my pick, but I'm going to go with my 49ers against the Saints in the 2011 season, the divisional playoffs. Four lead changes in the final four minutes. Alex Smith shone, Vernon Davis sublime, and after a long time between playoff drinks, the Niners were back among the big games again. So, Jazz, what's your second one? So, my second game, I had quite a few to think of, but I chose one from the season after the Ravens-Steelers game that I picked before. So, I'm in the 2009 season. It's a wild card weekend. And it's yes. the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Green Bay Packers. Ooh-wee! Oh, yes. Game that ended damn. with my one of my favourite players of all time, watching Aaron Rodgers getting sacked, fumbling the ball... But it goes into Carlos Dansby's hands and he runs it in for seven yards to win the game. Seven yards, I think it was. Let me just check that. Where are we? 17 yards, sorry. 17 yards. Oh, even, even better. To win the game 51 45. In a game where the wow, Cardinals wow, wow, wow. had leads of 17 points, 14 points, 21 points, and eventually it ended up 45 45 with 152 left to go in the fourth quarter. Oh my God. Yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? It was an unbelievable game in which where the Packers never had the lead. They never had the lead. They kept coming back. They tied it twice to get to 38 all and then 45 all. Which year was that, Jazz? 2009 Wildcard Weekend. So it actually was actually played in 2010, January 2010. But it was the, uh, cool. the 2009 season. So that's the year that the Saints won it. That, I believe, was also the year that the Patriots last lost a wildcard game before this year at home against the Baltimore the Ravens. Ravens in Gillette yeah. when Ray Rice ran all over them. And then that evening, I think it was. Maybe not that evening. No, it was maybe the night before. But yeah. Yeah. What what about that Cardinals game when they the all or nothing year? That was, was that against that was against Green Bay as well, wasn't it? Was that the NFC Championship to send them to the Super Bowl? Yeah, that no, was, no, was uh, the, that was wasn't the, it was the divisional because divisional lost. to set to yeah they lost in the championship game to the Panthers. Was, yeah they got bl- they got blown out didn't they yeah yeah that's yeah, it like, that was a, that was a crazy game when Larry Larry Fitz. Larry Fitz uh, had an absolute stormer, and he won the uh, he won the game for them yeah. with two touchdowns. That was awesome. So, that Jazz, you've good. you've basically just gone from one of the most defensive battles in a regular season game to one of the best playoff games of all time, which is horrifically high scoring. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. shows yeah. the the variety of my enjoyment. You see, Ollie. Um, but I a game where Aaron Rodgers accounted for five touchdowns, four through the air, and one on the ground. Kurt Warner three for five touchdowns. Just a game of just sheer offensive masterclass, really. And again, because there was comebacks, you think, okay, that team's dead and buried. There's no way they're coming back. And the Packers just seemed to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And of course, this is the year before the Packers win it. The next year, they go on to win it. So these sort of tests and comebacks and proof that Rodgers can do what he can do. And then the defense played better the year after. Suddenly, you've got the recipe for them to win the Super Bowl but in this year I was really rooting for the Cardinals because I felt sorry for them after the Steelers loss I really enjoyed that game a lot mm. being a Steelers fan yep. I'm glad that the Steelers won it but I would have loved to have seen Larry get a ring then and, he, and Kurt Warner as well because he was playing I think that was the last game Kurt Warner played actually this one I could be wrong yeah I think but so but that offence with Kurt Warner Larry Fitzgerald 
Anquan Boldin and Steve Breston. I think it was the year they all got a thousand yards receiving. Just an unbelievable, unbelievable um, team. And it's a shame they didn't ever win anything more. I was trying to think who was the uh, who was the running back in Arizona. Tim Hightower was the uh, was the goal line back, but the person I always keep forgetting. And he's Beanie the Wells. I can see in my head all time. There you go, Beanie Wells. Because I remember <laughs> watching him on NFL Total Access running his forty yard dash in um, on his pro day, and I can remember his face perfectly still. But he's one of those players whose names always eludes me, which really annoys me. It's really weird. Like Beanie Wells is not a player that I think would pop up in many people's imagination if you if you said a name and that that face would be very difficult to find i think for a lot of people like yeah not a for studly me. mcstudly running Etched. back in the annals of history but in jazz's annals of nfl history <laughs> it's right there in the back of his mind all the time. yeah that's your boy it's your boy but also again a green bay offense that had jennings and driver driver is on his downward kind of slope but Jennings when he was in his heyday and Jordy Nelson when he was really young so you had some very good offensive weapons on both sides of the ball and Clay Matthews doing what he was doing best at that point yeah AJ Hawk as well who AJ was, was there. an absolute monster uh, young BJ, Calais Campbell BJ Raji who was just freaking you know what huge. I love the most about him do you remember his um, his sack dance do you remember what his sack celebration was no not off the top of my he'd head he'd do the same as what Rogers did where he'd start putting the championship belt around his belly oh, because yeah, he was so yeah, big yeah. it would have to go really far around it was just <laughs> <laughs> that was a big belt yeah he he and Dontari Poe are two people that I absolutely love like BJ yeah. Raji and him because they're just they're just love giants Poe. like absolute giants yeah. and really fun yeah. to watch yeah. you can imagine they're so great so Casey Hampton like a great laugh off the field, but on the field, there's like a real, obviously, nasty viciousness about them, <laughs> obviously. That's how I feel about Calais Campbell as well. Yeah, Just like a, a monster giant. amongst a monster amongst monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Um, oh, awesome yeah, Dominic Rogers, Dominic Rogers Cromartie as well. So I was just having a look through the Arizona defense on that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Donald Dockett. Adrian Wilson, when he was one and of the best safeties in the league. Untrail roll as well. Carlos Dansby. A... Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Calais Campbell in there for uh, yeah. for Arizona in that game. There you go, Dave. He was. <laughs> there but you yeah, go. No, I, that's one of my favourite games. Again, watching it, you're just thinking there's no way anyone's going to come back. And then before you know it, it's a tight game. And it's such an epic way to finish the game as well. Nice, man. I'm pretty sure that was the first play of the... Yeah, it happened at 13.42, so it would have been the second or third player in the uh, overtime. Possibly the second. Um, Let's have a look. Yeah, which... Wait, what happened? Have you gone back and watched... Oh, that sounds something, actually. Have you gone back and watched the highlights of any of these? I watched the Steelers-Ravens highlights because there wasn't really many highlights. It's quick quick viewing, I guess. However, yeah. on the that, that game, again, that touchdown at San Antonio Holmes, you saw Big Ben run back and fourth on the field three times before finding him so that was <laughs> epic big ben improvisation here was the third play it was third and six and he gets sacked and then gets the return for the touchdown
The last one of our hand wash hits from the NFL comes from Sky Sports' Richard Graves. Uh, unfortunately, he's talking all things Dallas Cowboys. It's January 2017, AT&T Stadium, NFC Divisional Playoff Game, Packers-Cowboys, Green Bay racing to a two-score lead, back come Dallas, tie the game up at 31, places going nuts inside, tornadoes touching down outside the stadium, and then Jimmy Graham makes that catch, Mason Crosby kicks the game-winning field goal, Packers proceed to the NFC Championship game. So my second game was the previously the best game that I've seen um, before, or my favourite game before the uh, the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and it's the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl Forty Nine, um, which has that infamous ending. But the whole game was quality for me. It was just fantastic, really, from the start to the finish. Brady got picked off on the first drive in the end zone. And then it was just score, 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 score. Just trading blows the whole way. Amazing defense still from the Seahawks. And then just ridiculous stuff from Brady and Gronk. Danny Amendola. Edelman with an amazing score as well. It was just absolutely brilliant. And then... The the drama at the end was just absolutely ridiculous. I watched the whole, in preparation for this, I watched the whole um, fourth quarter. And it's just, it's just unbelievable. I forgot about some of the drama before the, um, before they didn't run it on the half a yard line um, like with Lynch. Oh yeah, the catch. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, Jermaine Jermaine Curse, Curse has yeah. a catch which is so similar to what Julian Edelman did against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. It just it just bobbles off his legs uh, with a defender all over him, and then it looks like it's going to be down, and then he just pulls it in. Yeah, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And from a Patriots and then, point of view, you look at that, you think it's just the same as David Tyree or the Mario Manningham catches that just ended their hopes as well. Yeah, yeah, and it just all the energy was just sucked out of it. It just felt like there was no way that the the Seahawks weren't going to win it. And then Lynch on the on the play next, um, before the infamous pick from the five goes down to the half yard line. And then in retrospect, you're like, God, could he have just reached out and got that touchdown? Because he's so so close. It is absolutely ridiculous. And then it seemed inevitable. There was second down and goal. And they had one minute uh, on the clock. And then Wilson throws it. And then it's picked off. And it's just so, like, I just couldn't... I just couldn't deal with it. Like, I just couldn't... I just couldn't handle how absolutely crazy it was. It's iconic, it sounds like you're struggling. Do you remember the feeling of it? It was oh, it's just, like, just getting flashbacks, just talking about it. And then Malcolm Butler was in the history books forever. Yeah, and just, went down as a shutdown what, corner forever. I, I forgot, in my mind, I forgot that it was second and goal as well. I thought that it was third and goal. So that call to throw it by Carroll and then Wilson, like, it was the one who obviously actually threw the ball and made the decision not to check out of it. 
it just seems even more impervious. Like, what no, was that's going why it was, on? That's why it was smart. The reason it was... It wasn't smart, though, because he, it wasn't smart from Wilson. I'm, I don't think that Carroll's call was necessarily bad. I think it should be way more on Wilson because he should have seen that he was in tight, tight coverage there. He didn't have that half a yard, a yard that you need to catch that on that play. Yeah, his, and his it was crazy. His receiver gets boxed out. It was crazy out. that it. Well, yeah, it was crazy that it was in a that it ended in a pick. That's, I mean, that was completely wild because it was a really hard catch for him for Butler still to make. But it was just, it was just so wild that he actually threw the ball there because the he that... didn't have that push off and then. And then it's there, and then he's in. Then it's like a, a genius call and a, and a great play from from Wilson. It's just but the tight he just shouldn't should have never there. thrown it. The tight coverage should work better there. Again, so that pick play they they ran. If you have man to man press coverage, that's when it works the best because those defenders are trying to one jam you, and two follow you, and three will probably just run into each other and get that one man free. That's how it's supposed to work. It just happens that they it's supposed to work. For, yeah, and they practice for it all yeah. week. That was the thing. I mean. You you can see it from so many different ways. You can just see it as a great play by Butler and that there's nothing really at fault for the Seahawks. But it just seems wild, you know. I mean, Lynch had over 100 yards that day. You know, why and why would you not just run it? Absolutely. I just can't see any scenario that he wouldn't have... Made it. He wouldn't have made it. Because the play before, he just got five yards easily. The only difference is when you're in the goal line, of course, everyone's much more condensed. So there's a greater chance that you put they more are, big body but men on. But if they had, if they'd, if they'd run it and then they'd got shut down, then it's like you would have been more understanding. You'd have been like, oh, okay, well, like it's third and goal. We've got two plays left. We have to score because they're four points behind. Then you see it's more okay. That would have been unsandable if they put it in the air. My but, thought on it has always yeah, been: it's just wild in that moment. You've got a running quarterback in Russell Wilson, so you can run a read yeah. option, bootleg out yeah. option play. Yeah, like like Mahomes yeah. in the against what's his face. Yeah, uh, again the against the Forty Niners. Yeah, this year That's you it. can run. There you, go. you can run a read option, and worst comes to worst, Wilson holds it and then can throw it away because it's not going to be many men yeah. downfield blocking. So you're not going to get done for illegal man downfield down at the goal line. Be very tough to. So yeah. That would have been my thought, and even if you wanted, if you wanted to be really sneaky, you can have a read, uh, you know, an RPO, like run option or pass, and have a guy out wide, maybe one on one, if you really want to throw it up. I've watched that game. Yeah. I, I mean, I went after getting home. I watched it a couple of times in the week after that Super Bowl, and every single time I watched it, I still expected the Seahawks to win. Which yeah, sounds which yeah. sounds insane, obviously, because you know they're know, not going no, to. But I you're know like... exactly what you mean. When I when I watched the fourth quarter back uh, today, I, I felt exactly the same. Oh, he's I just going to run exactly it in. Like, yeah, this is this is going to be it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the curse catch was like Al Michaels took ages to call it on uh, on the broadcast of like oh 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 he caught it oh he caught it and I was like, as soon as I saw that I was like that's a catch. It's not hit the ground. It's definitely a catch. This is game over. Again, another moment of like, Patriots are finally done. We don't have to deal with New England winning another one. 
this is it. And Seattle were a really likable team as well. You know, maybe like, you know, Michael Bennett, ex an exception, but, you know, Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, you know, they were a fun team. And obviously this was obviously off the back of uh, of the 49ers. No, that was the year before actually with the 49ers thing. Um, but it was still yeah, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. an outspoken, brash defense that was good to watch. And it had been, as you say, man, like one of the best games of football because it was two teams that were cancelling each other out they were putting up enough yes. points to show that their offences were really good offences, but they were shutting each other down, not because of inferior ability on offence, but because the defences were also really good. So it was just a Making solid... Making yeah. yeah. it's just a solid game yeah. of football, which was difficult to call. And I just, yeah. I just loved it so much. If I was going to... You know, we're talking about parameters of, like you know, what you would kind of, what you class as a, a fun game. And, you know, some some of that, some of that should be, a factor should be, you know, could you introduce somebody that doesn't know about American football and would they enjoy it? And this was, I think, the best game that I've seen, which I could say, you know, I could introduce somebody to American football and they'd be like, yeah, this sport is sick. Because it had, it had offense, it had defense on both sides it had obviously the incredible drama at the end and it was just it was fairly perfect really i don't know how obviously i didn't like the result i wanted the seahawks to win but it was so incredible just from start to finish yeah it's just pretty Absolutely perfect amazing game. yeah Absolutely loved amazing. it absolutely loved it dripping dripping with quality throughout dripping <laughs> I mean, uh, it, yeah. it was, as you say, if you were introduced, like if you introduce somebody to the NFL with the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl, that'd be like introducing somebody to three and a half hours of red zone, basically, aside from maybe the first yeah. quarter and or the first half of the first quarter, you know, you'd be like, okay, yeah. well, oh, oh, it's all crazy in action. This would be highlighting every almost individual quality that there is in the NFL yeah. in one all encompassing yeah, yeah, yeah. game. Yep. It's great. The I think if you if you introduce them to the Eagles Patriots game, the next game that they watched would be a disappointment for them. Mm. Where they would they would think, Oh, okay, well I thought it was more like a basketball game where it's like score, you score, we score, you score. This game it just had a bit of everything and they just they just nailed it on the biggest stage possible. It was just, uh, yeah, so, so wild. What's your look, second game, Ollie? Let me, let me take you back to uh, two, oh, 2000 2010. So, okay. you know, relatively long time ago all things considered yeah. November 15th 2010 it's a week 10 matchup nothing mm. really going on week 10 nothing, nothing at stake nothing is there really going on but you want to have a good lead in your division right. at that point and the Philadelphia Eagles walked into Washington with a 5-3 and three record after their 8 uh -huh. games played uh -huh. middling middling Donovan McNabb had moved to the Washington Redskins at the beginning of that season and after being benched the week before, I believe against the Bengals, he was back under centre, taking on his former team. Had just been handed a contract extension that week as well. But under centre was the man who'd taken his job, taken the job in week one of that year off Kevin Kolb. The most electrifying man to play the game. 
Michael Vick. And Michael Vick's first play from scrimmage on Monday Night Football after McNabb was the man that brought him in to Philadelphia after everything that Vick had been through. Vick fakes a handoff, rolls the right, and then slings it deep downfield to Deshaun Jackson for an 80-yard touchdown. Starting one of the most impressive performances I've ever seen from a quarterback. Not just as a Michael Vick scrambling quarterback, but as a quarterback. An all-encompassing performance that saw him rack up six touchdowns in one of the most dominant victories on Monday Night Football that I've ever witnessed. The Philadelphia Eagles absolutely crushed the Washington Redskins. 59-28. to 28. And Michael, Michael Vick dominated it through the air and on the ground with an Eagles team of Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, LaShawn McCoy, and Michael Vick. That offense is something that we never got to see flourish properly, but that night was one of the best football-viewing nights I've ever had in my life. I'm a little bit shocked you didn't choose the miracle of the Meadowlands too. That's, that was that's, your bet. That's yeah. why I, I thought to myself, there's no way Ollie's not picking that game with the Super Bowl. Those are the two he's definitely going to pick. Yeah. That was the miracle at the Meadowlands was up there because that was fantastic. But <laughs> honestly, the reason why I picked this one is because I just love Michael Vick as a player so much. I don't want to get into all the kind of stuff of like what happened to him outside of American football. As I, I fell in love watching the guy. Um, at the Falcons, even in his early days, I, I was so excited watching him until he got thrown out of the league, and, and rightfully so. And then when he came back and he signed with the Eagles, and what Andy Reid did in terms of rather than saying, right, we're going to base our offense around you being able to run, he said, I'm going to turn you, with the help of McNabb, into a mobile pocket passer. And it took a long time for Vic to, to kind of adjust to that. It took a year. He looked really bad when he kind of came in in 2009. As he would be, being out of the game for so long. But I respected, A, the hard graft that he did to get himself up to tune and ready to go. B, in week one of that year, I was, um, was travelling around the US and I remember picking up the paper on the Monday because the people I was tra- travelling with didn't really care about American football. It was tough to kind of encourage people oh, let's go to a bar no let's crack on and do a nine hour journey to get to the next place and whatever so i picked up the usa today on monday and it all it read was kevin Colbert had been knocked out the game early against the packers and vic had had this like breakout phenomenal game against green bay where he, they hadn't been able to get the victory but michael vick suddenly looked like michael vick and i was so hooked in on my favorite team and my favorite player looking like there might be something. And then Vic got a rib injury a couple of weeks before this Monday night football game. So this was like his return from the rib injury as well. Like Colbert come in and not done too much. But this was all about Vic just going off, absolutely off. Yeah, throwing an 80-plus yard touchdown on the first play of the game to Jackson. Um, There was a catch that Jeremy Macklin had where Vic slings it down the right Mm -hmm. sideline. And it's a two-handed version of the one that um, OBJ made against the Dallas Cowboys. It's not as impressive, but it's very similar. There's a coverage right on him. He's able to reach back, reach up, two hands, pluck it out the air, bring it down, control it, and take the hit all in bounds and get the touchdown. Vic ran it in on the ground. He was using his legs not just to to run and get yards, but to extend the play and then fling it into the back of the end zone for a couple of beautiful touchdown passes. It was 
and all the kind of the storyline of against a divisional rival in a big game that kind of gave him the edge in the division at that point uh, with Andy Reid taking on his former protege McNabb and his new protege that he sculpted into something in Vic it was the last moment of Vic that we saw that was really exceptional I think and um, and yeah it's it's one of the most enjoyable <laughs> games I found a two hour 15 minute version of the full game on YouTube and I sat down and watched it a couple of days ago <laughs> just you've, after I said tagged. we should do this I went hunting and it's it's great <laughs> it's just great to watch it's so it puts a smile on Did my you face have to uh, yeah. do some laundry afterwards Ollie. I, honestly you've, you've, I, I sit there with just a smile me, on my face the first half me is, is unbelievable more than once watching what Vic did I think game, Vic had five touchdowns in the first half <laughs> yeah you're like oh yeah yeah <laughs> Every time it crops up on uh, on like brilliant. Facebook or something brilliant. like that, yeah. Hey, you oh, guys should pick, check man. out my pick. doing this thing. It's I love that. You you brought that to yeah. life as well. That yeah. was that was really cool. It's without a doubt my favourite game in NFL history. Passion. Big thanks to Charles Walford of The Times, Richard Graves of Sky Sports, Nat Coombs and Mike Carlson for giving us their hand-washing NFL hits. Uh, big thanks to Jazz and Dave as always. Big thanks to you for listening. Remember to get onto anchor.fm, like and subscribe to the podcast, give us a review. It's available on iTunes, Spotify and all other good podcasting outlets as well. Google Podcasts too. Um, yeah, and we'll be back hopefully in the next few days with another pod just to kill some more time while there's no sport on. Take care.